Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It is Thursday. It is March 12th. What's going on? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. We have been getting your podcast league submissions. I'm going to tear through them this weekend if you want to join the podcast league, which we still don't have a date for. Let's see. Today's the 12th, the 19th. Let's do it on March 22nd, guys. What do you think? Sure. That is a... What is that? A a Wednesday? It's a Sunday. Oh, then no. Let's not do it then. Let's do it on uh, Monday night, the 23rd. The 23rd, Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Let me check. Let me check my Palm Pilot here. I think that's okay. (laughs) Okay. March 23rd is going to be the date for the podcast league at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, please submit your entries, be creative, give us a fun recording, or just anything you want, a poem, or I love your show, you guys are great, and I will pick uh, some winners. So you've got a little bit of time to get those in. Send an email to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com with the subject line, Podcast League. Today on the show, we're going to read an email about what to do if you think that pitching is just going to go super duper early in your leagues, and you're debating between an elite hitter and not missing out on a pitching run. We're going to talk about some of the injuries. I want to talk about the head-to-head categories league. I, I Only briefly, because Chris and Scott talk extensively about it, but I just want to add some more points on head-to-head categories, the Yahoo format with daily transactions. Um, players we continue to draft, spring training storylines, Danny Jansen's continuing to have a good spring, and Chris is right, uh, has written a piece about players at each position that could become elite. So we'll talk about that, and we'll try to read some of your emails. I think we have to start the show, though, with the coronavirus in light of what the NBA has done and what the Mariners have already said. They're not going to play any home games in the month of March. And they have like seven of them scheduled. So people want to know what what we think right now. And uh, we don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if the season got postponed in some fashion. But Scott, what's your take on this? Yeah, I have no idea. I think I think it's probably a little easier for the NBA to postpone things for a while, just the, given the where they are in their season, than it would be for MLB wrapping up spring training and all the prep that goes into that. Um, but they're like at the very least, they're going to have to find different locations. I know for the, the teams that play in California. Uh, I don't know if they just stay in their spring training sites. I know that's been brought up as a possibility, but this is, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this podcast, there will be more information because this, this is fast moving, uh, the developments here in the sports world. Right. One thought I had was like from a fantasy perspective, if you want to get into that, I think people do, uh, players who are injured, I think they probably have a better outlook now. I, I just can't see the season going on uninterrupted personally, but I, it could happen. I mean, they could play games in empty stadiums, I suppose. But I, I mean, I just feel like it's it's so it's so hard to say right now. Like we're we're just we just don't know. Right. Um, totally but no, I, I agree with you, Adam. I, I think it's more likely than not that the season gets postponed. And that's going to cause all kinds of, uh, you know, all, all kinds of headaches. But, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty small concern. Sure, of course, of course. And and let me just say, quick little PSA from your friend Adam Azer here. I'm not going to tell you to wash your hands or anything like that about the virus. But I do live in the... I live in Westchester County, and New Rochelle is a half hour from me, and they have that containment area and i think westchester county is the single county most affected right now or with the most cases it's worse in seattle with what's happened there but i just want everybody to be prepared because i'm sort of seeing what happens in a town that there are issues in or a county anyway and 
the shelves are emptying up at the grocery store and Walgreens didn't have any toilet paper or paper towels. So I had to go to a different store for that and get your medicine. And that's all I'm going to, I'm not going to like, I'm not, I'm not going to give you any diagnosis. I like what's going to happen with the virus or anything. I'm just saying people are going to react strongly and you don't want to be the last one to do it. So uh, please be prepared and just stock up on supplies while at the same time, not hoarding it from everybody else. Uh, so, um, but you know, just, just my two cents. All right. Email of the day comes from Grant in Long Island. He says, dear Daniel, HW and Eli, who is that? Uh, Eli, my boy, is that there will be blood? Yes, there. Yes, it is. If I you hadn't said that, I your milkshake, Scott White. Yeah. Oh, HW is, is an interesting, I always thought that was, if you're going to resort to calling somebody by initials, I thought that that was HW. I never heard that before. Okay, so there will be, real quick, there will be blood or no country for old men. No country for old men. No country for old men, no contest. Yes. All in agreement. Yes. No country for old men might be the best movie ever made. <laughs> it's so good. And I really did not like There Will Be Blood. So, uh, God, Adam. It was, it was just like a, oh, here's Daniel Day-Lewis doing a one-man show. It was not a good movie. It was just good acting. Okay, I have the fourth pick. Shut up, Chris. In my 12-team points league. Fourth pick in a points league. Usually in my league, pitching goes early to begin with. So with how pitching is prioritized now, I'm nervous about which pitchers will be available at 21 overall. Should I grab Cole or DeGrom at four or wait and hope to get a guy like Corbin or Castillo as my first pitcher? I mean, I know Scott and I are both okay with Corbin as our number one because I think we've done it in very recent drafts but you know you're you're gonna have worse pitching if you do that versus taking the grom uh or cole so it's just a question of in this instance i think the hitting like these are the truly elite hitters available at number three this isn't like there is that kind of flattening of the hitter tiers but those guys available at the top, Yelich, Trout, uh, the other three, Bellinger, Betts, and Acuna. Not that, not that, like, I'd probably put Bregman ahead of Acuna in a points league. But sure. Yeah. But either way, in this scenario, you're going to have your choice of Trout, Yelich, Betts, or Bellinger. And I would think in a points league, it's probably Trout, Yelich, and Betts, for me at least. Those guys should be so much better than everyone else and you can throw Bregman in there and a couple other guys but that it I think it is worth going with the hitter and taking the Corbin it, it is what I would do um there's almost a temptation if you take like a Garrett Cole to go one less arm I feel like to make up for that passed up hitter pick and I'd rather have the extra high-end arm than necessarily the best one but I don't think it'd be wrong to take Cole. I do think it'd be kind of wrong to take DeGrom at fourth overall if Cole already goes. Um, I would only consider Cole, but I probably would go with the hitter. I have the fourth pick in a points league in a draft that we're doing right now. Now it's a 14-team league, but I took Mookie Betts, and then in the second round I took Patrick Corbin, and then in the third round I took Charlie Morton. So, um, And then in the fourth round I took Chris Bryant. This is a 14-team league, but I'm very happy with that start. And uh, I agree with them. I, I do want to bring up, I agree with Scott and Chris, you know, you take that hitter. I do want to bring up something like Mookie Betts, because I've, I've found on the clock, in a Roto League, I think I really want a top three pick. And in a points league, I kind of want a top two pick between Trout and Yelich. I, am I being crazy? Like, Bellinger, I like him a lot, but he's played three seasons. He had a great rookie season. He was a huge disappointment as a sophomore. He had an, ama- he had a, an amazing third year. But, you know, we, we all know the batting average wasn't that great after, like, mid-May. And then Betts, I am a little worried about him going to the Dodgers. I and mean, we haven't talked about this really since the trade. We just kind of, you know, approached him as, as Mookie Betts. But let's be clear, like, Betts, two of his last, what, three seasons? Two of his last four seasons have been, like, kind of disappointing. Didn't really run much last year. Won't probably won't get the same amount of plate appearance as they did just because while the Dodgers may have the best lineup in the National League, they won't have as good of a lineup as the Red Sox have had in the past. Um, I, I'm not I'm not unconcerned about Mookie Betts and and he I think he benefits from Fenway Park. So you know I 
it felt like, damn, I really wish I had Trout or Yelich. Uh, not like, I, oh, Betts is in the same tier. I think he's in a tier just slightly below those guys. Yeah, I would agree that the Bellinger and Betts are a half step back from the top three if you're talking a Roto League or top two. Yeah. If you're talking a points league excluding Acuna. Right. Uh, so all of that makes sense, but it should be noted that. Over the last three years, Mookie Betts has scored the most points among all hitters. He's averaging 607 fantasy points over the last three seasons. Christian Yelich is averaging 576 as the number two player. That's, that's doesn't, that doesn't matter. Not in it, it, it doesn't matter. What about the last two seasons, Yeah, Yelich Chris? has been better, and Yelich got hurt last year. The last two seasons, Yelich has been much better. Not getting hurt is a pretty important skill. And like It is, but that's not part of Yelich's history. Mookie Betts has had a disappointing season where he was the number four hitter in points leagues last year. Yeah, I just I do think that there's a downgrade going to the Dodgers. That that's like if you were on the Red Sox, I'd probably be completely fine with it. Do you agree with that? He had a disappointing twenty seventeen when he was the number four hitter. Do you agree with that? I think you can downgrade him a little bit from what you should have expected with the Red Sox, but last year isn't necessarily what I would expect from Mookie He was not the number four hitter last year. I have him as the number seven hitter last year. He's saying in 2017. Four outfielder, sorry. Oh, number four outfielder, number seven hitter in points leagues last year. He was the number 13 hitter in roto leagues. In 2017, he was the number 10 hitter in points leagues and the number 17 hitter in Roto Leagues. So that's two of the last three years where he's been either the number seven or the number 10 hitter in points leagues. It's excellent, but it's it's not third. It's not fourth. And now, of course, in 2018, he was the best hitter. In, he's number he, two in points, so number one Roto. One of the biggest underperformers by Xwoba in baseball last year. All right. All right, let's move on. Get to our next topic here. Oh, the promotions. Those are easy. Newsletters, cbsports.com slash newsletters. There is a Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. It's awesome. Chris, you you manage that thing? Is that your oh, puppy? Yeah, oh, yeah. He crushes it, man. I have a great Chris Towers story coming up, by the way. Great. Like, not that great, but I'm going to make it out to be better than it was. No idea what you could be referring to. cbsports.com slash newsletters. Join the podcast league. You know that. Join the Facebook group. Scott White did a little Q&A in the Facebook group last night. How'd that go, Scott? Uh, fine. Good. Good questions. Yeah. It's a good group. Good, good, good conversations. The link is in the description or you can go to facebook.com. Just search for fantasy baseball today or go to facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. And Chris, would you like to tell us about the draft kit? Yeah. The fantasy baseball today draft kit. It's uh, available on cbssports.com slash draft kit. And it's got... Sleepers, breakouts, and busts from Scott and I. It's got positional tiers from Scott. Scott's top 300 and auction values for Roto and head-to-head leagues. It's got a multi-position cheat sheet and all of that available for free. You just have to sign up, put your email address in at cbssports.com slash draft kit, and we'll send it right into your inbox, download it, print it. Uh, It's like having Scott and Chris in your draft room with you. That's how I'm trying to sell it. That's, that's my one-liner. If you, uh, when you said cbssports.com slash draft kit, like for a half a second, I was thinking like, is that one word or two words? Then I was like, wait a second. It's a URL. Don't ask that question. Don't say that out loud. Uh, did you? And, and you did. And I did. Because <laughs> I'm friends with every, all the listeners. We're all friends. You know, we we're can, all friends here. Right. Uh, Max Scherzer is a side issue. Did you guys cover that yesterday? We did not. Yeah, so he's got like a his sides not as strong as the rest of his body or something like that. What's going on there, Chris Towers, Doctor Towers? So he uh, he apparently changed his his uh, mechanics a little bit this off season in response to the back issues that derailed his season in 2019, and now he is dealing with some side discomfort. And he he I believe he said that this is something that he has dealt with in the past in spring training. It's not necessarily a big deal, but, you know, 36-year-old starting pitcher coming off a season with injuries, changed his mechanics, dealing with soreness as a result of that change in mechanics. Your your alarm bells have to be going off at least to some extent, right? Like, this is 
that that's certainly a red flag, if nothing else. I'm not saying you should necessarily drop him in your rankings, but uh, it's not what you want to see, as the kids say. No, it's not. So he had a it was a back or a hip issue last back year? and neck back and neck. He yeah, said both, both of those popped up. He said Scherzer we're talking about here. He said that it was caused by mechanics, not overuse, which I guess had been asked a lot. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Max Scherzer has some mechanics issues. Scott, are you are you downgrading Scherzer at all with this recent news? No. Though I've, I had been nervous about drafting Scherzer. He was the one of the big four. Now, obviously, Justin Verlander has dropped behind him that I was most concerned about drafting. And I haven't, I haven't had an occasion to draft him yet, fortunately. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious now if, if Cole and DeGrom go early mid first round and I have one of those late first round picks. Do I pass up a pitcher twice if Scherzer's there and just trust in whoever's left at me at the end left for me at the end of round three? I mean, I'd obviously have to go pitcher pitcher at that point. I would be worried about your mental health. I think if you did that, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are some really good hitters available early in round two. And of course, late in round one, I th- I think I think that might be I'm not going to say the only scenario but one of the few scenarios now uh Cole and DeGrom being already gone that I'd go hitter hitter at the start of a draft but then it would be like heavy on the pitching thereafter I think it might be hard to pass up a guy like Nolan Arenado who is basically as safe as they come unless he gets traded uh for Max Scherzer at this point you know and and they're often going very, very close to each other in drafts. So, all right, you're on the clock. You got Scherzer and you got uh, Matt, uh, what's his name? Nolan Arenado. Uh, who are you taking? Uh, so we're in round three at this point. I'm probably no, taking... Scherzer or Arenado. We're in round two. Best pitcher available. That's the thing. If I give in no, and Scott, take Scott, Scott, I'm sorry. You're choosing between Scherzer and Arenado. Oh. Who you taking? Uh, yeah, Arenado is what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Chris, Arenado, Scherzer? Hmm. Yeah, Arenado. Okay. Johnny Cueto will start the season opener for the Giants. Is it too much of a stretch to read that sentence and go, wow, the Giants are terrible? Well, who else would it be? Name another Giants pitcher. Oh. Logan Webb. Barry Zito? No, it wouldn't be him. Uh, Jeff Samarja had a pretty good year. Oh, Jeff Samarja, yes. Not that he's good. Yeah, no, I mean, Cueto makes sense, but... No, the Giants aren't good at him. What's this is, uh, <laughs> this is uh I didn't need to know their opening day starter to know that. Is he a top three hundred player, Johnny Cueto? Uh, I don't believe he is for me. Now there would be some who call him a sleeper, and I don't know that they're necessarily wrong. I mean he has a very steady track record and normally we we don't discount pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery too much. He is 94 and was showing some signs of decline before then. How? 94. He's 34 <laughs> and was showing signs of decline before then. He's not 94. That would be amazing. <laughs> wow. That <looks> great. Yeah, <laughs> he's in good shape. Best shape of his life. That, that, that butt waggle looks great for a 94-year-old. Uh, would you draft Johnny Cueto over any of the Marlins stallions? Um, no, probably not. Maybe Yamamoto. I didn't even know he was a stallion. I was trying to remember who the stallions were. Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez. Trevor Rogers is gone. Alcantara. Um, Yeah, I would definitely draft him over Yamamoto. I would draft him probably over whoever their number four is. Let me pull up the depth chart. Sandy Alcantara, no? Isn't he the number three? Yeah, okay, so Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez, I would take ahead of Johnny okay. Cueto, but no other Marlins pitchers. All right, I'm bored with this conversation. Let's let's move on. News and notes I hate. So Carlos Carrasco does not have structural damage, but he is unlikely to be ready for opening day. What is the latest here on Carrasco and when you feel like he should be drafted? I, I don't really 
think I'm going to change him. He was already pretty low among that group of pitchers for me, which has now been reduced to 33. 32 uh, now. No, I would still keep him among them, I'm saying, because I, I think it's just a that he he needs to rest for a little so it pushes back the timetable. I don't think it's a long-term resting situation like with Verlander or Sale. Is Carrasco still your number one relief pitcher in points leagues? Yeah. Okay. Michael Conforto says he feels good. He's optimistic. Paul Goldschmidt's going to miss some games with elbow soreness. Is this a big red flag for you guys? Goldschmidt, elbow soreness. It's a minor red flag. Another reason not to want him. Yadier Molina and the Cardinals are working on a contract extension, according to The Athletic. Which is interesting, because... I, you know, I thought maybe it would be his last year and maybe they would just continue to play him nine out of every ten games. That's not an exaggeration. And that makes him a starter in points leagues. Do you think this at this in any way, if they're working on an extension with Yadier Molina, reduces his playing time? It's uh, impossible to say. Maybe. Just try. 50 maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes or no. Okay. Well, it's something to keep an eye on. Like if you draft Molina, if you're if you're waiting and waiting on catcher in a points league, and you take Molina and he's like the last pick of the draft basically because nobody wants him. You, I mean, you might be just fine with that. He's he's good because yeah. he plays all the time. Uh, if that is not happening, then you might have to you know jump ship. Going back to Conforto, we talked about that it's an oblique injury, right? I don't know what you guys said yesterday, but. It's yeah. I don't think we talked about it yesterday. So yeah, he's dealing with an oblique injury. That's certainly a concern. You know, we've seen oblique injuries linger for hitters. I, I wasn't a huge fan of drafting Michael Conforto this year anyway, but I think you do have to drop him in your rankings now. It's a grade one, one, a grade one. one. You know what, Chris, we talked about it on Tuesday when you weren't on the show, I believe Mm. or whenever you were, I don't know. We, We did talk about it. Uh, Yadier Molina was the number 10 catcher in points leagues last year, and that was only in 113 games. And he was the number three catcher in points leagues in 2018. He was also number two in Roto that year. All righty. I want to get back to that head-to-head categories draft. Quick thoughts. First of all, great Chris Towers moment. Chris mentioned that he missed the start of the draft uh, and got auto-picked, and then Scott gave him Acuna. Yeah. So Chris comes running into the draft room <laughs> <laughs> and he types in the chat. Hold on. I'll see if I could uh, bring it up. Like all caps. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was getting lunch. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was having lunch. I'm sorry. Uh, in the meantime, I just referenced that other draft, that 14 team points league I'm doing. Yeah. And Chris is in that league and I'm in that league. And. In the chat room, Chris, in an untimed draft, by the way. We have three <laughs> hours on the clock in between picks. Chris, and I was not on the clock. You were not on the clock. Chris says, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was having lunch. I'm sorry. And then he wrote, wrong league. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I went into the editorial league first because I was in a panic. So. I couldn't find you. I didn't know where Chris was. I texted you. I g-chatted you. He was in the I wrong league. Nowhere to be found. You were eating lunch. I'm having a, a turkey bird. Oh, wasn't even a good lunch. All right. So, <laughs> in this weekly head-to-head categories league with daily transactions, so weekly matchups but daily roster moves. I like having four closers. I don't necessarily have to draft four closers. I did in this draft. Uh, I took four starting pitchers very early and loaded up with some good relievers. I actually really liked my team. And I wanted to talk about this not because I want to hog the spotlight here, but because I think I like this format more than you guys do. I like the way Yahoo does it, where you have to start at least two starting pitchers. Um, And I like the way my league does it, where we have a limit of seven transactions per week and something like 80 for the year, so you really can't make that many transactions you can't just pick up pitchers and stream them you have to you know you have to guard your transactions a little bit and we have an innings limit i think what was the innings limit in this one scott 25 or something uh not a limit it's a minimum Minimum, 25 yeah minimum so that you can't just only start relievers whereas i hate the wild wild west uh format i do like this format a lot so and i usually do 
fairly well. I didn't last year, but I typically do in, in this league that I'm referring to. So anyway, I drafted Morton, Paddock, Barrios, and Clevenger, not in that order, and I have a lot of saves, and that's the way I like to do it. Uh, if you are trying to stream pitchers, just be aware the waiver wire might be pretty bad, so it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not as easy as you think. Adding a category makes steals worth punting. I want to talk about that. If it's if you go from five by five to six by six, you can punt steals. It's I think easier to do that, guys, in a weekly league rather than a season long roto league because you're not getting a full zero for the season. You're not getting going in last place and getting only one point. You know that that could be a killer. That you could you could lose like that. Um, but in a six by six league where steals are only one category, and it's not like punting saves where. You punt saves, well, now like your ERA and your whip could be hurt. Steals is just an independent category. So I, we do get asked that a lot. Can I punt steals in 6x6? Six six? I think the answer is definitively yes. Uh, this league, Scott, had an extra utility spot, as you know, as the Yahoo format typically does. And you did touch on that. You said it makes it easier to draft a guy like Chris Davis, Jordan Alvarez, Nelson Cruz. I also think it makes it easier to draft outfielders early. You don't have to worry about filling up outfield so quickly or third base or whatever, that extra utility spot made a huge difference for me when I was drafting. And I want to know your, your thoughts on that. I think, I think like it helps, you know, not having to worry about filling up your outfield too early in particular. I, it, it wasn't a consideration for me, but I see your point. I don't disagree with it. Uh, I didn't I, think I about it until it happened. There was a point where I was debating an outfielder versus an infielder and ended up going with the infielder. I don't remember when that was. But it, if anything, I didn't consider it. But yeah, you're right. Uh, both my both of my utility spots are actually filled by an outfielder. Oh, there you go. Um, two more points. Your bench, I think, in this format. Remember, daily transactions. Your bench should be more pitchers than hitters. Uh, usually, I have one or two hitters on the bench, and the rest I'm just streaming pitchers or streaming relievers. Like there are times when I'm just hoarding the closers, and I might have five or six of them, or I might have a Seth Lugo or one of those, a Drew Pomerantz, high-end reliever. And you throw your starting pitchers out there on their days that they start, and when they don't start, you you go with your relievers and you load your lineup up. Um, and then balance your categories. I drafted Edwin Encarnacion, Miguel Sano, and Chris Davis. Those are three guys who could hit 240 to 250, but also hit 40 home runs. And I can't draft them unless I have good batting average guys. I have Mookie Betts, Michael Brantley, and David Dahl. Because I had Brantley and Dahl and Betts at that point, I was able to grab Encarnacion and take a late pick on Chris Davis. So keep your your categories balanced. You cannot load up on category killers in this format. There aren't enough bats. Like Malik Smith. I, did you touch on this? I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't. I did only listen to about half of your categories. Uh, I didn't give specific examples, but. Yeah, the idea that with fewer hitter spots available to you, going for a total category specialist like a Malik Smith does even more damage yes. in the other categories. There's less opportunities to mitigate the damage there done by a specialist like that. All right, so that's my point. Thank you for listening. And that concludes my discussion of head-to-head -head categories leagues. Players we keep on drafting. Scott White. You've done a lot of mock drafts. You've done a lot of real drafts. Who ends up on your teams often and, and why? Mark Canna. No. Let's no. get the quota out of the way there. All right. Uh, Mark Canna, J.D. Davis. Canna, J.D. Davis, and especially Gio Urshela. I think Gio Urshela is the single player I've drafted more than any others. Those are, those are sleeper picks I'm actually ending up with often. They seem to be ones I'm genuinely higher on than everybody else. I have a lot of other players that I'd like to draft a lot, but it just hasn't happened. I don't have a single share of Max Freed yet, for instance. Um, but uh, let me think here. James, Josh James I've been getting a lot. Alex Wood I've been getting a lot. Think earlier. Oh, were we just talking about yeah. sleepers or were we no. talking about to players no, in general? Um, like for me, Charlie Morton was the first name that came to mind. I, okay. I seem to be higher on Morton than everybody else is. Uh, so yeah, it could be anyone. If you want some time to think, I'll throw it over to Chris. Lucas Giolito. Yeah, you do take him a lot. And just, I I don't feel like I'm especially high on him. I feel like that's just, I, I guess maybe I'm a couple spots higher than the consensus, and it just so happens that I'm always taking a picture at that point. So it ends up being Lucas Giolito. Clearly, I'm not afraid of him. 
No. Uh, Mitch Garver. Okay. Giolito Garver. I, when he's the fifth catcher off the board, um, you know, sometimes somebody jumps in and takes him as the third or fourth catcher. And then obviously I don't get him. But when he's the fifth catcher, I usually end up taking him. Marcus Simeon, DJ LeMahieu, Josh Bell, those breakouts that people are kind of skeptical of, I find myself taking advantage of a lot. Although not Jorge Soler. That hasn't happened much. Why I'd not? Like to, but people it hasn't are taking him much. before you're ready to take him? I think... I think what ends up happening is I always prioritize Marcus Simeon or Josh Bell over him if they're there, and then he goes right after before I have a chance to pick again. I think okay. that's I think that's how it's playing out. Chris, how about you? Who do you keep drafting? Uh, at the high end, I've got a lot of Freddie Freeman. I've got a lot of Patrick Corbin. Uh, I've got a lot of Noah Syndergaard, and then a little later, Giancarlo Stanton. Obviously, uh, I've drafted a lot of Kyle Tucker. Lately, uh, Josh, yeah, I've got a surprising amount of him too. So yeah, me know. too. Actually, me too. I think you know, especially if you're looking for steals late and you're hoping. You know, that can't be true. All three of us, we do most of our drafts together. <laughs> we can't. I know, I know, I have him in Tout Wars and I have him in TGFBI. So both of the, actually, did I get him in Tout Wars? I think I did. And I have him in the Memorial Magazine Roto League and one of the mocks we did last week. So yeah, yeah. he, um, Kyle Tucker. Tucker may not play every day to start, but. Josh Reddick has had an awful spring, so it's possible. And if you look at what Kyle Tucker's done at AAA, it's not that different than what Luis Robert did last year. I feel like I asked on Twitter whether people think Luis Robert or Kyle Tucker has more upside, and pretty much unanimously it was Luis Robert. But yeah, I, that's I, largely the result of Kyle Tucker having a little bit of prospect fatigue. He's like eight months older than Luis Robert. He's been at AAA for two years. He's averaged... 30 homers and 30 steals per 150 games. Like he could be a first round pick this time next year. And people aren't really talking about him that way. Uh, I've also got a lot of Luke Voigt, Mitch Keller, Jordan Montgomery. Um, find myself taking Alex Verdugo in the reserve rounds a lot. I know he's currently not swinging a bat and hasn't since last August, which is a bad sign. But if I can stash him on my IL, uh, I still believe he's going to be a very good player once he's on the field. Okay, some good names there. Yeah, I, G, Scott's Giolito is my Charlie Borden. I just, I just love him. I mean, I think he was a top eight pitcher last year, actually seventh in both formats. Had his best season. He is thirty six, but I don't know that he's going to pitch super deep into games. But they have a really good bullpen, the Rays, and they're going to win a lot. So he had sixteen wins last year. I think as long as Borden stays healthy, I think he'll get to that number again. I'm getting Miguel Sano a lot, and I think it's because like there are probably three breakouts that I want the most, or breakout candidates, and they are Vladimir Guerrero, Keston Hira, and Miguel Sano. And obviously, Sano goes a lot later than yeah. I, the, I the think. Whenever team. you don't draft Sano, I draft Sano. Yeah, I have. To, I I really want to get one of those three players, and Sano's just the cheapest. I I know he's not. I'm almost certain he's not going to give me a good batting average, but I. He's obviously one of the best power hitters, so I uh, want to make sure I get him. I am the only person who likes Edwin Encarnacion. He has hit 32 or more home runs in eight straight seasons. He hit 34 home runs in 109 games last year. He was the third best thir first baseman in points leagues on a per-game basis. Um, I think he's a perfectly fine fallback option if you wait and wait at first base. I don't really... I, like, I get it. I understand why people are hesitant to draft him, but it's like I it's going it's just it's gone too far. So I'm fine. I like Encarnacion. I I think Yeah, I was I was actually looking at that recently to just how few games he played and why he played so few games. He was done by like mid August, right? Yeah, and then he and came so back for the playoffs. He played two thirds of a season and hit as many home runs as he hit. That's it's crazy. Uh, it it is. Um yeah, I, I'm. I'm wondering if I'm undervaluing. He's 37, and my my impression is that he's not going to play as much this year. But I don't even know where I'm getting that impression from. Yeah, I mean, it would be like they'd have to put Grandal at DH or something like that. And... Yeah, which they talked about doing when they signed him, because since they still have James McCann, who was an All Star last year, 
And James McCann obviously isn't as good as Edwin Encarnacion as a hitter. And when they so, signed Grandal, they didn't have Encarnacion, right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yes. So, right. I, I think I just read that, you know, he's going to be like anchored in the middle of their lineup, but that's not, that's more of like writer speculation. But I would expect Encarnacion to be in there most days. Uh, I'm drafting Chris Davis a lot. I guess I just like uh, <laughs> older sluggers who hit 240. I am, Which Chris Davis? Oh, Adam? sorry. Uh, K. Chris Davis with the A's. Uh, yes, the hype, the hype over C. Chris has slowed here. I wonder what his spring stats look like now. Why do you think K. Chris Davis is is almost an afterthought? It's really weird. I mean, we're talking like one of the last picks of a of a standard draft here, like a. 21 round it's draft. It's crazy. The same reason Matt Carpenter's an afterthought. No, it's a Carpenter, it's been a longer, longer no. stretch. No, uh, you know what? Had, not, not really, I guess, right? Season in 2018. And we've just like completely decided that he's done. And maybe he is. Maybe Chris Davis is done. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think there's more bounce back potential in both of them than their prices would indicate. I think part of it is utility only. Yeah, that's that's a tough way to use that spot. Uh, a guy who, like, he's only power, but you can get him on your bench. Yeah, and, it's a yeah. tough way. Not when it's like the 18th round. I don't think it's that tough of a way to use that spot. It, because the thing is, like, you draft Nelson Cruz or Jordan Alvarez, you're committed to starting them at, at utility. If you draft Chris Davis, you don't have to. I mean, you might have yeah. better options. You see what happens if he's if he's as good as he has been previous like three seasons basically then totally fine starting him at utility yeah i think he was still on pace for 40 homers before the hip injury and then after the hip injury he was on like a an 18 homer pace or something it's pretty yeah. clear what happened there that, to me it is Cyrus davis by the way you want to know how many times he's walked in 26 plate appearances 25 chris davis 25 <laughs> nine times nine times nine times in 26 so to only three strikeouts they're they're scared of him they're pitching around him he, wow. he doesn't get a chance to hit any more home runs because they keep walking him you don't want to uh you don't want to risk losing a cactus league game by pitching to <laughs> we all know that space <laughs> uh, the worst hitter in baseball the past three years yeah, wow uh ian happ is another guy i keep drafting late late maybe my last pick could be starting Center fielder, like, do you think Ian Happ is going to be an everyday player for the Cubs? That's that's. I feel like how he's being targeted in fantasy right now. His he's he's got a lot of helium. I don't really know. I don't share in that enthusiasm. I'll just say that I. There not, would come a point where I'd be excited to take him, but there's usually somebody else I'm more excited to take. I took him in round twenty three out of twenty three. So in the head-to-head yeah, categories, fine. Right? I, I just there's usually somebody else I'd rather take in round twenty-three. I suppose I could have taken Justin Upton. I mean, that probably. I think I would have taken Justin Upton. Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. It only took me eleven seconds to draft Ian Happ. I was very excited about that. I love that feature, by the way. When you look at the draft results, uh, and I always and I often draft Jose Alvarado because I think he could be the Rays closer or at least get like fifteen saves and and be a great reliever. I don't love that feature because it, with with the last pick, it, it not only shows you how long you took to make that pick, but it, the cumulative, how long it took you to pick. And I'm always, always, always last. You were last in this draft, but surprisingly, yes. I was second to last. I don't know why <laughs> that is. I thought I was pretty decisive. Yeah, Scott was uh, dead last. He took 10 minutes and 59 seconds with one minute on the clock for each pick in 23 rounds. I took I'm nine minutes less. and 40 seconds. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Chris I do everything was, uh, slowly. That's what's wrong with me. Chris was fifth slowest. All right. Good Good job. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't factor in all those resets while he was eating a sandwich. <laughs> it was a turkey, a turkey burger. burger. Burgers are not sandwiches. We all know that. Well, was it originally called a hamburger sandwich? It's a turkey burger sandwich. Right. Hot sandwich, pizza sandwich. Derivative, Chris. If you go to a sandwich shop, you don't expect to get a burger. Well, no, but these we're living in modern times, Adam. Maybe you did in 1934. Well, right, so that just helps whenever. my argument. Nutri-Grain bar is a sandwich. A Nutri-Grain uh, 
I have a little historic perspective. Lasagna. The earth didn't start Lasagna. moving with us. Lasagna is a sandwich. Uh, a ravioli is definitely a sandwich. Oh, I had ravioli last night. I guess I had a sandwich for dinner. Um, a lot of sandwiches out there. Uh, any spring training notes you guys want to talk about? Uh, we talked about a lot of them yesterday. I'm aware. Did you talk about Dylan Bundy? We did not talk about Dylan Bundy because that is mostly just he's pitching better and <laughs> doesn't quite fit in the parameters of what I decided matters in spring training, Adam. Scott likes Dylan Bundy, though, which also matters in spring training. What's Scott yeah, I can't help but be enthusiastic about his performance, probably because it, it fits the narrative I had already put out there of the change of scenery. And he's working with Jason Castro now. And I know he's had some interesting quotes about that, about how they're sequencing hitters. I it. I, I think Dylan Bundy has all the stuff to succeed and he just needs a different game plan. So if if I, being careful not to read into that too much and overdraft him, I am excited about that. Um, but the name that's top of mind right now and the one who I moved up most aggressively most recently is Danny Jansen, who looks like he might now be a viable starting catcher. Even in a one catcher league. He obviously he was a guy we were very excited about last year. Great minor league numbers and, um, you know, makes a lot of contact for a catcher, good plate discipline, all of that. But he just fell flat on his face and he has talked about having a new hitting routine now when he really seems to believe in. I've seen so many articles written about his new hitting routine. He's enthusiastic about talking about it, how he didn't really have one before. He had a pregame routine for catching, but not really for hitting. Uh, he also changed his stance to... He, he realized he wasn't using his lower body enough. And, you know, he's up to, what, four or five home runs this spring? I think four. And I um, do point out, you know, he was awful to start the season. Uh, had a 247 OPS on May 16th. Uh, homer on May 17th and 19th, and over his next 74 games, he had 11 more. So 13 homers in the final 76 games of the season. Um, he only hit 225 in that stretch, which is really bad. But it came with a 233 Babbitt. He still struck out at a below average rate, 18.4% of the time uh, after the final 76 games. I think he mostly... Uh, I think he mostly showed that he can do it last season once he got going. And so it's just for me a question of uh, picking up where he left off and maybe having a little bit better luck. Danny Jansen. All right, rank these three. Danny Jansen, Yadier Molina, Francisco Mejia. I put him just behind Mejia, but I'm, I'm, already, I'm already not loving that. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go according to my rankings and say Mejia, Jansen, Molina. Jansen Mejia Molina. We haven't done our catcher preview in a long time, but Francisco Mejia, last 60 games after he got recalled, June 18th, day before my birthday, he had an 844 OPS. Uh, he really broke out. We're just hoping for the, for the playing time, hoping the breakout was legit, I guess. Uh, so, you know, it's just like a lot of stuff that we've discussed. guy like Francisco Mejia just never gets brought up again, so I want to make sure we did all right, Chris, I'm sorry if I cut into your time to talk about the players that could get become elite. The floor is yours for the rest of the show. For the rest of the show? You got Jeez. it. going to talk at all? Five minutes. Can I get some tea? It's Chris. Uh, yes. I'm drinking tea. I'm, I'm working on a, uh, on a series for cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Uh, that's number one contenders, and I'm going through each position and trying to identify five guys being drafted outside of the top 12 or top 15 or an outfield top 25 who, you know, you can at least squint and see a, cat, a path for them to getting to the number one spot or more generally join the elite tier. And I'll just give one for each position, I guess. Um, and so for catcher, I really like Danny Jansen. Don't know if you guys have heard of him. <laughs> Don't know if we've talked about him much on this podcast, but I think there is a ton of potential Wait, for Danny Jansen. Why don't you give give more give at least three, and then we'll just let like Scott say, agree or disagree. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's yeah. No, I get that. Danny, Danny Jansen, Carson Kelly, who had a very similar season, uh, has a very similar pedigree, very similar skill set. Doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, could hit for some power. 
And that's enough at catcher to make you a potential elite option. And then I'm going to go with Wilson Ramos, who I know uh, Scott isn't quite as hyped about. We talked about his swing change yesterday. But for me, he's a guy who has always hit the ball hard. Last season, his swing just got out of whack. He still hit the ball really hard, but he hit it on the ground too much, had the lowest average launch angle in baseball. And, uh, you know, he was arguably the number one catcher on a per-game basis in 2018, so it's not that much of a stretch. Who are you talking about here? Uh, Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos. Okay, sorry. We got what lost is there. that sound effect? Yeah, what I is that sound effect? That's, that that's, Chris's uh, computer? It's, I, it's so familiar, like some kind I of just, chat room sound. Slack. Yeah. I just oh, it's Slack. A, on Slack. Yeah. You're slacking. All right. So, uh, Scott, your thoughts on those catchers? Danny Jansen is the one I can most get behind. Uh, I did, I was pretty excited about Carson Kelly to start out, and I haven't moved him down, but he was so bad against righties last year. And the guy he's sharing the catcher spot with is a left handed hitter, Stephen Vogt. I just wonder if the playing time is going to be there for for Carson Kelly. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Stephen Vogt has had a lot of trouble staying healthy in his career, but he's off to a really good start in spring training himself. So, you know, Stephen Vogt's someone in the two-catcher league I've targeted as my second catcher a few times. But, you know, what? Uh, this is another one where Ke- Kelly had a 520 OPS through the first 32 games of the season uh, from that point on. He hit 259 with an 890 OPS. He was really good for most of the season. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I certainly rank him higher than Jansen. I, I'm just wondering if I should, kind of, actually. I'm not sure about that. All right, let's move to first base. I think I'm ready for first base here. How's that well, sound? I love first base, Adam, because my favorite one, well, Miguel Sano, who's not first base eligible yet, but will be by the first five games of the season, whenever those games occur. Uh, and there are, you know, five or six guys in the majors who have the skills to hit 40 homers, and he is absolutely one of them. Uh, I'm also going to throw out Luke Voigt. If you look at what he's done since he got to the Yankees, if you take out the games that he played after coming back from the, uh, the IL last year, because he was clearly playing through that sports hernia, you take those games out and just look at what he's done with the Yankees. Otherwise, he's hit 297 with a 400 on base and a 547 slugging percentage. Would have been the 11th best OPS in baseball among qualifiers. So if you believe that you know his struggles were largely the result of the injury, there's the potential that he could be a truly elite bat. Uh, yeah, I, Void, Void is How freaky. much did I talk up Luke Void last year and everybody was like, no, Scott. Come on. Well, he wasn't what nearly as good. Mostly lived up to the hype, though. The thing I is, know. did I he, know. though? Because a lot of his OPS was OBP. He, I mean, he, what? He was, before the injury, he was on pace, I believe, for, it was 35 homers, 95 RBI, and 100 runs. I, I think the slug was below 500. It though. was, which is really yeah. weird. He's, he, his slash line in 95 games before the injury 278, 392, 493. Uh, strange. But that's an 885 OPS. He was on pace. I had it for 33 home runs, 94 RBIs, 104 runs. He'll obviously take 33 home yeah, runs. In He's, he is, games. is more of a line drive hitter than a fly ball hitter, than a pure power hitter, which you could look at in a, as a positive or a negative. I'm certainly pitching it as a positive last year. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what it means is there's the potential for a good batting average, too. So I'm not... I, I agree he could be a stud again this year. And while I was pretty concerned about the playing time to start out, the injuries have made it so that he's obviously going to be the everyday player to begin the year. And then it's just a matter of how he performs as to whether or not that lasts. Yeah, I think they have scrapped the Andujar at first base experiment, so... It's probably just playing Mike so much Ford. outfield, yeah. yeah. And I've heard almost nothing about Mike Ford this spring. Yeah, well, Lemayhu could always play first base if they if they need to, because Glaber Torres has apparently been horrible at shortstop. But, uh, okay, so anything else at first base? And uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday a little bit, but Eric Hosmer with this swing change, the potential—it's a bit of a long shot. Um, 
But if he really is hitting the ball in the air more, he hits the ball really hard. There's a quote from him in an athletic story recently. I hit the ball really hard. I just always hit it on the ground. This is the first time he's ever really expressed frustration with his approach. You know, anytime he's been asked about it in the past, he's really been like, well, I had 90 plus RBI last year. Why would I change anything? This is the first time where he's looked at it and said, you know, he did have 92 RBI last year, but the overall line just wasn't what he needs to do. And so he's making changes. We're seeing signs of it in spring training where he's hitting the ball in the air more. It, if he does that, it's a long shot, but there's no doubting that the skills are there for him to be an elite first baseman. Okay, that's Eric Hosmer. So let's go to second base. Give us your top three that could be number one. Yeah, Kevin Biggio. Uh, I think his upside looks something like the good Matt Carpenter seasons plus 20 steals. So Ooh. I think that kind of... Ooh. I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, but you look at what he did last season, the batted ball profile, uh, the walk profile, it all looked a lot like what we would usually see from Matt Carpenter. The batting average was really low, struck out too much. I think the case with him is he probably needs to be a bit more aggressive at the plate, a little like Yohan Mankata was last season, where you know there, there's a difference between passivity and patience, and I think you know those two guys probably teeter towards the worse end but you know if he does steal 20 bases and if he does hit a little better it's really easy to see him in the elite tier at second base who else Kevin Biggio and Gary Hampson oh. uh I just what's that I, I just said ah oh. yes uh and so the case for him is basically I'm not sure if he's a good hitter but that doesn't really matter at course field if he gets an everyday role I think he can hit 290. I think he could hit 13 to 15 homers, and I think he could steal 40 bases playing half his games at Coors Field. And that's basically a poor man's Trey Turner. So, you know, again, another one that kind of goes without uh, much explanation. If, if that happens, and I think it's realistic if he gets the role, you know, you're probably talking about a second-round pick next year, or at least a second-round finish. Okay, that's, that's Garrett Hampson with Kevin Biggio, who's the last last one at second base. Guy we haven't talked a lot about. I'm not sure if he's going to get that second base job in Chicago, but Nick Madrigal. Uh, he's not just an outlier for today's professional baseball environment. Uh, his 2.8% strikeout rate last season would have been the third best in the majors since 1994. Uh, you're talking like peak Tony Gwynn type contact numbers. Uh, 35 steals in just 110 games in his first full season of professional ball. It would be hard for him not to hit 300 with the strikeout rate that he has. If he hits 300 and steals 35 to 40 bases, you're probably looking at an elite second baseman. Scott, Biggio, Hampson, Madrigal, could you see them having massive seasons? I am not... Sure, I agree with Madrigal having a massive season. I see him more as a useful player at a weak position who thrives at some of the scarcer categories. But I just... A total zero for power in today's environment uh, I think would have a hard time measuring up with the the tip-top players. But... Where did D. Gordon used to go? I mean, he doesn't have the speed D. Gordon does, although he, he's been at a 50-steal pace in the minors. It's just, right, that's that's yeah. the question, too. How much? It's always a question of how much Claire runs in the majors, though I like that he's not a middle-of-the-order bat. I think that improves his chances of continuing to run. Um, but no, I, 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 I look, Kevin Biggio is on my breakout list. I love the upside there. Hampson, I think, is on my sleepers list. I do like the upside there, too. Um. Yeah, and I'm not saying Nick Madrigal is like a bad option. I, I top ten prospects to stash was an article that came out yesterday that I wrote, and I believe I had him fourth on that list. So I am not. I have some enthusiasm for him. It just doesn't sound like I agree in terms of the overall upside. So. All right, we'll move on to third base here. Did want to mention D. Gordon, though, is having a nice spring, stealing some bases. 
Yeah, I'm not sure he's even in contention for an everyday role. It sounds like they just want him as a utility guy. But, you know, Shed Long has struggled in spring. So, you know, maybe they reach a point where Shed Long... D. Gordon's a guy I've drafted uh, in a handful of leagues where I kind of just want to get someone who can steal some bases. Uh, I think I got him in the auction league last week. And I've taken him in a couple of my deeper leagues. So that... I'm hoping he steals 30 bases is basically it. D. Gordon. Third base, Chris. We'll finish with this, then we'll, maybe we'll read some emails. Miguel Sano, again. Yeah. I just I think the, the upside there is so massive. But I'll give three players besides him. How about Hunter Dozier? Did you know he was in the 80th percentile in sprint speed, uh, according to StatCast last year? He you know mm-hmm. led the American League at steal in triples with 10. And he has talked about wanting to run more this season and you know if he does that and hits like he did last season when you know he had 26 homers hit 280 if he steals 10 to 12 bases in a roto league that doesn't look that dissimilar from what Marcus Simeon did last year and he was a top 20 player so he has to sustain the gains that he made and he has to start running but the fact that he's talking about it uh, certainly has the skill set to do it so, uh, you know, it's hard to know how much an injury impacts a season, but oblique injuries can really derail your season. And Hunter Dozier, 52 games before he missed three weeks with an oblique strain, he had a 987 OPS. He batted 314 with 11 home runs, 12 doubles, three triples. Pretty, very good plate discipline. 26 walks, 41 strikeouts. 987 OPS for Dozier in 52 games. Then he goes on the IL. He misses three games or three weeks. He comes back 87 games. He still was okay. He had an 804 OPS. He batted 260 with 15 homers, 17 doubles, and seven triples. But the, Hunter Dozier was one of the talks of fantasy baseball last year before he went on the IL. Should not be uh, overlooked, I guess. No. Who else? Miguel Andujar. You know, we've seen him be a top 40 player, uh, and that was in his rookie season. Now there was a lot of skepticism about whether he would sustain that, and you know, given the price that he was going at. This time last year, I was pretty much out on him. But now, you know, if he's back from from the shoulder injury without issue, which it seems like he is so far in spring training, it does sound like at this point he's going to play every day, at least to start the season. And then, you know, as long as he hits the way he can, I think we're going to see him in the lineup pretty much every day. Playing in a great lineup, great park. Uh, there's a lot to like about a guy who makes that much contact and does have some pop. I, I wish Andujar ran a little. That would make it easier to make the case, but even so. Works for me. Scott? And Austin Riley. I, oh, I want to make, uh, make both of you guys happy. So Austin Riley's another guy. We saw the good and the bad with him last year. You know, first 34 games, hit 12 home runs. I think he was like very close to or at the major league record uh, for most home runs in X number of games. I don't know what the exact number was to start his season, but... Then he hit 164 with a 41.4% strikeout rate in his next 46 games. So we really saw both sides of him. But his strikeout rate was 25.8% in AAA. If he can get to that level uh, in the majors, you know, there's not, it's not impossible that he could have something like Pete Alonso uh, we would expect from him this year. Uh, Riley had a top 25 barrel per batted ball rate last season. He had a harder, hard hit, a higher hard hit rate than Pete Alonso last year. He needs to win the third base job out of spring training, but you know, I think that's certainly doable. And if he can just manage the contact, if he can get the contact rate down to just, or the strikeout rate down to just a bad level rather than, you know, dangerous like he was last year, he's got 40 homer potential. Austin Riley for the brace. I got to say, this the Yankees have had the worst offseason probably since yeah I don't know well the the Astros have had the worst offseason of any team <laughs> but in terms of injuries like the Yankees are definitely the leaders there but you guys really I think you know how to pick me up when I'm feeling down because every day it's just Luke Voigt and Gio Urshela Miguel and Duhar not even I, the good players on the Yankees you guys love <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it it's not 
intentional. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think we've talked about Jay Happ. Jay Happ was the, about to say he's made this spring. Jay Happ is I I have Jay Happ in our in that roto league. It was one of the reserve round picks. I am comforted. I have a warmth in my heart that I have Jay Happ right now. He's gonna be all right. You know. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, not a terrible late round flyer, Jay Happ. All right, and Jordan uh, Montgomery. Tomorrow, yeah. Who I think Chris does like. Who do we like better, Montgomery or Hap? Oh, Montgomery for sure. I think I rank Hap higher. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> what a joke! What a joke! I remember how good he was two what? years ago, Scott. Jordan Montgomery would 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 kill for those numbers. He probably wouldn't actually I don't kill. Think I was kill. trying uh, yeah, to think of a geez. substitute, but. It didn't come to me. Don't you talk about the Yankees that way. Okay, uh, that's it for today's show. Tomorrow, we'll look into Scott's sleepers, breakouts, and busts, give you some ADP uh, tips as you get ready possibly for a weekend of fantasy baseball drafts. Tomorrow is also Friday the 13th, so perhaps we'll talk about the scariest players in fantasy baseball, or maybe we will just rank everybody whose first name is Jason or last name is Voorhees. For Scott and Chris, I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow.